Welcome to the Decades of Strength podcast. We are Kim, Marcy, and Katie. We are three women on one mission. We are obsessed with empowering women to gain confidence, build strength, and ditch feelings of unworthiness. So grab your chair, come sit at our table, and let's talk. Welcome to the Decades of Strength podcast. I'm your host, Kim Schlag, and with me, I have Katie Crocus and Marcy Nevin. Hi, ladies. Hi, Hi everyone. How's everyone doing today? Doing great. Feeling I'm, good. I'm Katie, nice have, we podcast, have, have we podcasted since Katie's skunk escapade? No, we have not. No. That, that, Katie, give people the rundown. I kicked I off my week. For Katie. It, yeah, that that was uh, that was quite a way to to, to jumpstart things. Um, so earlier this week, I was up super early, about four a.m. So it was very dark. Let the dogs out to go to the bathroom because that's what I was doing. And wait, why were you up at four a.m.? I had to go exactly. to the bathroom. That's what everyone wants oh, to know. Okay, did, not not to start your day. Got it. Got no, it. certainly not intentionally. Um, okay, my day did begin at, at, but that was not my intent. And generally, I wouldn't even let the dogs out when I would go, but they were clearly they knew something was going on outside, and they had to stick their noses in it, literally and figuratively. And by the time I went to let them back in again, um, everything just happened so fast. It's really hard to kind of break it down because like the obvious question is why would you let your dog in the house if they were just sprayed by a skunk? Like, how do you not know that's just what happened? And when I walked into the, the sunroom where we always let the dogs into something smelled insane, almost like poison to the point that I was like, oh my God, there's something outside. I got to get these dogs in the house. I don't know what's happening out there. Skunk never came into my head because it was just so, it was like a wall that almost pushed my body back. Sort of like you would anticipate if somebody was like, you know, getting gassed, it was crazy. And it was almost like burnt gasoline is the closest thing I can describe. Mm. And so they run inside and my golden retriever redstone immediately is panicked. Like he's, he's wiping off his face. He's rubbing his face on the furniture. He's hit. I mean, I had no idea what was going on. So I ran and got my husband out of bed. And it wasn't until when then, of course, he, the dog is left to his own devices, starts running all over the house, right? Because he's panicked. He sees me leaving. He follows me. I still don't know it's a skunk until my husband comes back and the actual skunky smell starts to come. And this is like probably five minutes after the spray. That's when I realized it was a skunk. I thought it was something I couldn't peg it. I couldn't pin it. It was so intense and so toxic and so asphyxiating that, um, Skunk didn't even come to mind for me. And by this point, the dog has already run all over the house. Oh, God. Yes. (laughs) That's the worst part of the story. That is the worst part because I just had no idea what was going on. I I thought, in fact, I think I said to my husband, I'm like, I think he ingested rat poison. Like, I think somebody tried to poison an animal outside and he ate it and, and I'm smelling something as a result of that. Like, I, I was like, I was like, put him in the car. We got to take him to the emergency vet. And, uh, and again, it took a couple of minutes for us to actually get the, what the actual smell was and realize that, no, we had a different problem entirely on our hands. And again, literally on our hands, like my husband has his face in his hands, it's all over his body. And he wasn't, I mean, he just crawled out of bed. So it was literally like on his skin on it. He rubbed his eyes and his eyes started to water. I mean, like this was toxic stuff and it was really like, he got some hives on his face as a result of it. So 
you know, we, we, we consulted the, the vet and the university of Google do not use tomato juice, by the way, that is outdated That's and not helpful shocking to me. I when know I heard you say that I was like, if that happened to my dog, I would immediately go for that. Mm-hmm. No, there is a pretty good concoction of hydrogen peroxide, baking soda, a couple drops of like Dawn dish detergent and water that you're supposed to use. And it amounts to like $2 and works so much better than anything that you can buy. And again, there were so many wonderful people who messaged me and gave me advice and told me their own experiences. And it was, it was great to get all this feedback, but not one person told me that it was going to be okay. <laughs> like everyone <laughs> told me that this was the nightmare that was going to last for a long time. We would probably smell this through Christmas. Every time he gets wet for the rest of his life, we'll be reminded of this day. Oh my uh, gosh. Yes. How dramatic. Really? Right? Katie, did the kids People sleep sometimes just this? need to keep their opinions to themselves? Well, the I mean, comments. I mean, the, <laughs> the kids slept through it. And the whole time I was like, we're going to have to move. Like, I don't, we're, we're going to have to burn the place down. Well, and you know, I was like, said to my husband, you're, you as a person smell right now, how is this going to work? He's like, I'm going to take showers. I'm going to rub this concoction on myself. It's going to be fine. And I was like, what about like, what about the cat? He's like, we'll get rid of the cat. I don't care. He's like, we can, we can only handle so many we'll really triage <laughs> this so much right now. And I mean, cause it was just sticking to everything. Right. And especially things with fur. And so he had to go out and buy new clothes at target. I, I mean, it was just uh, like, like he started the day showered and clean, but the smell was just like in his hair and we haven't shaved his head. We could probably do that, but we have family pictures coming up on the 27th. So I'd like to wait till after that. Does your hair smell? Well, I'm smelling it now. I don't smell it, but I stayed away. See, this is the beauty of being in my marriage. My husband is the handler. And so when shit goes down, he takes the reins and I get to be the designated basket case. And he is literally like, Katie, calm down, like take a breath. You're making it worse. And because of that, I didn't get into any of it. I was, I was the one who went out to the 24 hour grocery store to get the hydrogen peroxide. I got the kids ready for school. I kind of did the, the back end cleanup of things. And he handled all of like, he's the skunkier one, the emergency situations. Yes. He's got, he's got that on lockdown. I've never been able to handle emergencies. Well, Interesting. Well, yeah. I am so sorry. And I'm going to tell you now, I think it is going to be okay. <laughs> Thank you. I'm sorry that no one to has told that. you that. I'm it's oh, going to be okay. <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> before Kim. Christmas. I know it's already better than it was. And I think that again, like it poured rain last night and, and, and I, like this morning when I went to let the dogs out, I had a small panic attack because just the, the, grass, you know, emitted all of the smell from what happened earlier in the week. And so I had a little bit of PTSD this morning, but we're, we're fine. We're working through it. I'm so sorry. That's <laughs> truly terrible. Well, I don't think that either Marcy or myself has any story even close to that for this week. Mm-hmm. So I say we let that stand for our life update. <laughs> let it go. Yeah. Um, so we're going to well, jump into actually a Q and a episode today. Um, we put it out there on our Instagram for people mm-hmm. to ask us questions. We have a whole bunch of questions, but first we're going to start with a question from the ladies to me because I cut our episode short last time. Yeah. I was worried about time and didn't share um, some things they wanted me to share. So we'll start with that. Marcy, you want to go ahead? Go ahead, Kate. <laughs> so at the end of the episode, Kim and Marcy and I had realized that we talked a lot about uh, some really 
internal um, self-focused practices for mental health and healing and sort of how we derive some um, some steps out of the darkness, like, you know, descending from the ashes kind of things. And we didn't realize that we didn't have enough of an opportunity to really talk about the things that maybe don't require quite so much introspection and are a little bit more, um, reachable. There's a, there's a, you know, sort of lower barrier to entry. It's just some, some tactical things and suggestions that Kim, you had that we talked about after we stopped recording that we really wanted to, you know, put on the platform so people could, could consider those as well. So do you want to take us through some of that? Yeah. So it's just from my own personal experience, things that have worked and research does back it up. Um, so I struggled with anxiety my whole life, started using anti-anxiety medication after um, my third child was born, um, had serious postpartum depression with all three of my kids, but it was worse with, with the last one. So I started medication for that um, immediately had not immediately within a month or so had some um, pretty intense relief from that. That was shocking to me. Um, also did therapy around that, um, had lots of panic attacks, worked through them. And with all of this experience and just, I think age, um, you know, just life experience. Mm -hmm. Um, I eventually, and I don't even remember why I stopped taking the medicine. Eventually I stopped taking the medicine, but the things that I did that continued to help for me to manage my anxiety were, uh, exercise, so both walking, being outside in nature and walking and strength training. And there is research that shows that strength training can help with signs, uh, with symptoms of anxiety and depression. So if you're somebody who's not doing that, uh, for sure, picking that up, um, doing the walking and then gosh, managing stress for me, like getting enough sleep really help getting enough sleep and working on my stress. And, you know, I kind of got to a point, And again, I feel like this comes with life experience. I was such a worrier and I would still mm -hmm. say like, I do worry. I do still worry, but I can talk myself out of it because I think not that anyone would ever say this out loud. Like, I feel like I can worry something away, right. That if I worry about it enough, it's not going to happen or it's going to come. Mm -hmm. No one would say that because it sounds ridiculous, but I feel mm -hmm. like we think it right. Like somewhere inside of us, where it's like, I'm just going to keep worrying about this as, as though it will affect the outcome. And mm -hmm. that was me. And I've gotten to a point where I can logically stop doing that. Like if I'm worrying about something, I can be the person who says like, is there an action I can take here? Is there something I can do? or say, is there something that I can impact? And if there's not, I've got to stop fixating on it because it's not useful. It's clearly not gonna affect the, the outcome of the situation. And that has done wonders to help my anxiety, right? Just because that low level worrying constant in your brain, um, managing that by having that conversation with yourself. Can I do something? If not, I've got to stop thinking about it. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that, Kim. I just the idea of if we could think our way out or worry ourselves out of a situation, we would have done it by now, right? We would have oh, genius. It. What a great I, perspective. I would be rule of the world if, I could, <laughs> if exactly. my worry could fix things, right? Because that's how much I worried. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like easy, but it just doesn't feel natural until you try it. And then you know, after a while, it, it really starts to click. And so I can catch myself now. Um, so those are the real practical things that help me walking mm -hmm. specifically outside walking, strength training, getting enough sleep and conquering my worry by saying, is there something I can do about this? Mm -hmm. I just want to chime in and confirm all of that, because those are <laughs> the things that I think have been the most helpful for me as well sleep is so underrated. Like that is what 
will impact what I call your emotional stability more than anything. Yeah. I know I'm, my anxiety is so much more heightened when I don't get enough sleep the night before, but I have found this man, his name is Andrew Huberman. And one, I love looking at him because he is just beautiful. (laughs) Andrew (laughs) uh, Huberman. Okay. Andrew Huberman. So he has a podcast and his Instagram is Huberman lab. He is a researcher and a professor of neuroscience at Stanford and his voice, I, re- I put this in my stories today because I was listening to his podcast on sleep of all things. And his voice is like being wrapped in a warm blanket. It's just mm-hmm. like soothing and comforting. But anyway, he was, I've been listening to a lot of his stuff and doing a lot of um, podcasts on sleep. And then also dealing with your anxiety, your emotions. And one thing he says, which is so true. And Kim, you basically acknowledge this is you cannot control your mind with your mind. So Mm -hmm. I think at some point you can, and that's what we were talking about on last week's episode, that when you've done this for long enough, you do have the tools to like talk yourself off the ledge a little bit, but it can take a very long time, a lot of practice to get there. So what he was saying is any type, like you have to get out of your mind and into your body and movement is the best way to do that. And he said, the reason that walking is so helpful is because forward movement in like a straight direction can really help to quiet your mind. He had some like research to back it up. I don't remember what it was. And then also the sleep thing too. So he is a huge proponent of breath work, just like using your breath to also get out of your mind. So he calls it the, um, oh, it's something sigh, but you take a big inhale and then another short inhale and then a slow exhale and doing that five to 10 times can start to quiet your mind as well. So that is something that is accessible to people at any time, wherever you are. Mm -hmm. And he was also saying that you can do it if you are having a hard time falling asleep, because sometimes our mind, we have that monkey mind, right? When we're trying to sleep and it's like, it won't shut off. So you do the, that's the physiological side. So long inhale, another short inhale, long exhale. And that can be really helpful. And I've been using it for the past couple of weeks with great success. That's fantastic. Yeah. I love that. All right. We'll look at, we'll have to look him up and we'll include him in the podcast. Marcy, what is the nature of his work? Like, what does he do? He doesn't just do sleep. What does he do? Uh, He does everything. It basically is a neuroscience how your mind works. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. We'll link them in the show notes. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. All right. Let's start with some of these other questions. Then <laughs> I'm going to start with our heavy hitter. Are you ready? Katie, we're starting with you. Have you ever okay. tasted your dog's treats? That's the first, but that's our leading question. <laughs> I'm sure that's what everybody is now looking at the podcast. Everybody wants to know. It, it, they're going to mark this timestamp down so they can return to this question. I'm sure of it. <laughs> this was a serious question that was submitted to me. And actually, honestly, we did. We, we said the, the crazier, the better. Um, and no, I can with 100% certainty say, no, I have never, not only have I never tasted my dog's treats, I've never even been tempted to taste my dog's treats. <laughs> now I know some, there are like some gourmet bakeries that make them look really pretty, but 
I don't shop there. <laughs> I don't buy my dog. If anyone's ever seen my dog eat an ice cream cone, like you kind of always, like I put it on stories sometimes. He's not the cute dog that takes a couple licks of like a puppuccino. You might see Marcy, your dog would do that probably. Lick the puppuccino sweetly and, and it'd be a darling little story. No, my dog inhales it and swallows it whole, eats the paper off the Dairy Queen cone. That was so he cute. doesn't, he doesn't get pretty cute. treats. So I don't get tempted by his treats, no. <laughs> Marcy, have you ever tried any of your dog's treats? I have not. I have these new ones from him or for him from Trader Joe's, of course, that are pumpkin and something like they are edible, but they don't look appetizing. So no, I cannot say that I have or that mm -hmm. I have any desire to. Me either. No. <laughs> so when I, when I was a kid, we dared my brother to eat our neighbor's dog food mm -hmm. and he did it. <laughs> So, and it's always just stuck with me. Like every time I smell dog food, I think about being in Diane Miller's basement and watching my brother dip his hand into the tub and like eat a handful of dog food. I don't know if we gave him something for the dare, but he did it. Um, so no, never been tempted to eat my, my dog's treats. No, not meant for human consumption. We should probably put that out there. <laughs> All right. We'll go on to a more serious question. This is from Melissa. How do you feel about a short-lived rapid fat loss phase? Marsh, let's start with you. I'm, I'm all for it if it is the right person for the job. So what I mean by that is uh, you, like myself, you ladies probably could do it because we have improved our relationship with food and exercise and most importantly, ourselves. So I don't think that it would have any of the negative ramifications that it could on somebody who has not yet gotten to that point. It would probably promote more of that just restriction, you know, the binge restrict type cycle because rapid fat loss is going to require your calories to be very low. And if you have not gotten to a point where you've worked through how to control hunger by not turning to food, you know, the second that you feel it or to deal with your emotions, then you are going to struggle big time. So I think you have to be in a really good place again with food and exercise in order for it to be fruitful, um, but also for you to be able to handle like the mental aspects of it. So yeah, in very short-term spurts, like maybe, I don't know what, four to six weeks, uh, something like that, maybe eight weeks max. Yeah, but just make sure you know what you're getting yourself into. How about you, Katie? So I kind of would change my stance on this from something I would have said, you know, maybe a year or two years ago. I think the person that this appeals to most is probably the person that it is least beneficial for. Mm -hmm. So, and, and to elaborate on that, um, I think there are some people that this is not a problem for. But like Marcy, you mentioned people like the three of us, we could probably all go into a pretty dramatic mini cut for 30 days, get in and get out and be okay with it. But here's the thing. I don't want to do that anymore. Like I've worked mm -hmm. so hard on mindset. I worked so hard on food freedom that I no longer have motives that would require that kind of intensity and that type of effort to get what I want. And that's something I worked really hard to gain. So it's not even appealing to me to do something super quick like that anymore. I think the person that appeals to is the person who's probably like strung out on cortisol already, constantly in fight or flight. And something like that is oftentimes going to just like dig them into the ground more. I will say somebody who I think it would 
be okay for um, as somebody who might have a lot of weight to lose and it might be really easy way to jumpstart the process for them. Uh, Maybe like a four week, a little bit more intense mini cut and sort of assessing where they are. Um, That's also another nice way to start if you really don't know where someone's um, maintenance calories are. You can take what would look like maybe a pretty aggressive cut. And if they have a lot of weight to lose, they'll respond quickly and then you can adjust from there. Um, But that is not a tool that I would really recommend to most people who are probably listening to this podcast. I totally agree. I have used it with clients. I specifically have used it. I've used it very sparingly, but the client you just described, Katie, someone who has a lot of weight to lose. So someone who is struggling with obesity, they have a considerable amount of weight to lose. And it's not everybody who comes to me in that situation. I can, if somebody appears to have a bad relationship with food or whatever their dieting history is, I, I won't do it with everybody, but there are certain clients who I will offer it to. Um, and I learned this technique from Jordan Syatt. Mm-hmm. I would have them do it for one week, like right when we first start the first week, it's when you're feeling that motivation, right? And you're like, I'm ready to go. So they can do it for a week and we go into it and they already know after seven days, here is my next set of calories. And I have to go up to them. I do not give them the option of staying Mm -hmm. with those calories. And then we'll go on and then I'll let them again after three weeks at their moderate calories, go back for one more week of rapid fat loss. And we'll do it up to three times. Um, Did I ever have anybody do it for? No, and interestingly, usually once somebody's done it like two times, they're like, I'm good, right? Mm. Like they're two months in, they've seen some good weight loss. That's really why I do it is to help them feel that motivation of like, I literally, I can do this. Like I've lost, like I have a lot of weight to lose and now I've made a dent in it. And I've now spent two weeks, two months working on my habits. I don't usually have many, many people don't choose to continue on with it. Um, Mm. I love that. But yeah, I would not, most of the people listening to this, like if you just have a moderate amount of weight to lose, if you have... 25, 35 pounds to lose. And you might be like, that's a lot, but that's not really for you. It's not Mm -hmm. for you. Agree. All right. Next question. Let's do, um, what kind of questions have your kids asked about macros or weighing things in the kitchen? Katie, we're gonna go with you. Marcy doesn't have kids yet. Okay. <laughs> I guess that's me. Does Wesley ask questions? Wesley's <laughs> got questions all day long. Oh God. Well, so my kids have been watching me do it for some time now. I've been an on and off tracker since I, I guess 2016, and my oldest is going to be 12. So it's been the scale's been in our kitchen for a while, and it's largely ignored by the children because it doesn't affect them or pertain to them when they do use it is for baking. So we really like using the scale for baking because it's a nice way to measure things with more accuracy. And if Marcy, you probably know this when you bake, when you, it's really useful to get your flour measured down to the gram, you always get Mm -hmm. better results that way. So, um, that's one of the ways we do use a scale as a family. And I think I've said this before, my children are aware of macros and they understand the concept of a balanced plate. And that's, an important part of the conversation, but it's not the entire conversation. The bigger part of the conversation is how do you feel? So if my kids say, mom, how many cookies can I have? My answer is always, how many cookies do you think you want? Why don't you start with one? And then instead of asking me, ask yourself if you can have another cookie. That's the other half of the conversation about macros. So the macros are the science and it's, and it's cool to understand science and understand why it's not okay. I don't want to say not okay, but why it's not beneficial to only have a plate of carrots as your after-school snack. Um, that's the science piece. But then 
it has to go hand in hand with how do you feel about the food that you're eating? How is it making you feel physically? How does it make you feel mentally, emotionally? All of those things count. So those are conversations that have evolved over the years. We certainly, I didn't unload all of this on them when they were, you know, two, four, and six. Um, but that's sort of where we are today. Yeah. So we have a lot of conversations around these things in my house, both because, um, you know, my kids have seen me go through various phases as far as I'm, I'm losing weight. I'm working on building muscle. Um, you know, I'm getting ready for my powerlifting competition or all these different things. And so lots of discussion has been had around this. Um, I feel good about, uh, where we've landed with things. Uh, recently my daughter came home, she'd been in a youth group class and I don't, I don't know what the whole subject was if the whole subject was about nutrition. Cause it was on a Sunday. It should have been like more like about Jesus or something. It was a church thing, <laughs> but whatever the subject was, somehow it came around to nutrition and part of some object lesson. And at the end of class, they got to have a candy bar and a piece of fruit. And it was said something about like, you know, you can have the candy bar, you can eat the junk food if you eat the food that's good for you. And it was very much couched in like good, bad foods. Right. Mm. And my daughter, when we got in the car and we were talking, she's like, you would not have liked that lesson, mom. She's like, that was not a good lesson they taught. And she's like, I didn't take either. She's like, <laughs> she's, and so it was really like, she had really taken home the wow. lesson that there's no good foods, that there's no bad foods. And she's like, you would have taught that totally differently. And I was like, yes, I would. And so we have these conversations, you know, and when we see commercials or ads, or if I find a, a food product that said something like guilt-free, like I point it out to my kids because I want them to be aware of this marketing and they'll point mm. these things out to me, specifically my daughter will point these things out to me too now. So I feel like I have talked out loud through a lot of the diet culture nonsense that's just inundating our world purposely for her. And I think it's sinking in. Mm, that's great. That makes me really, that makes me really happy. Some people might be like, you just shouldn't be talking about it at all, but I don't think that's a smart tactic. I, I disagree. I, and I don't want to go down a road and get to, to get stuck anywhere, but I feel like the problem when we don't give our kids enough information, they seek it elsewhere and then they learn half truths. Yeah. I think it's true. And I think that could be about anything, right? Mm -hmm. Like whether if, you know, if a parent's too afraid to talk to their kid about sex or drugs or whatever it is, like, you know, talking about these things, like in a very clear way, I think I find it useful. Agreed. All right. Um, if each of you could choose to make one food calorie free, what would it be? Mm. Marcy, let's start with you. Frozen yogurt with all of the toppings. Toppings for me are sprinkles and yogurt chips. Those are my favorite. <laughs> and chocolate sprinkles or rainbow sprinkles? You know, it. I'm pro. I usually say chocolate, but I think it just depends on my mood. Both are great. I don't discriminate. And it's interesting because I am dairy free now. So I haven't had frozen yogurt in like dairy frozen yogurt in years. And unfortunately the yogurt chips also have dairy in them. Like I'm not to the mm. point where I would go into, you know, anaphylactic shock or anything like that. I probably <laughs> just wouldn't feel good. Uh, and I am a really big fan of the creamier frozen yogurts. So then I don't know, like vanilla, chocolate, cookies and cream, things like that. Yeah. Coffee is coffee is my absolute, absolute favorite flavor of ice cream and frozen yogurt. Oh. Um, also pistachio. That's another great one. I used to eat frozen yogurt for lunch in high school almost every single day. And it was in the, like the whole low fat craze. So I was trying to lose weight and that was, <laughs> that was the thing. It's like, okay, I can get a frozen yogurt that is literally the size of my head mm -hmm. because it's fat free. And looking back, 
that probably had, I would say 200 grams of carbs in it, mm-hmm. all sugar, you know, so I, I don't remember my blood sugar crashing, <laughs> but it probably did. Uh, so yeah, I would say frozen yogurt. And unfortunately the, I don't like the fruity flavors, which are often I don't the ones like that either. are, that mm-hmm. are dairy free. So it's mm-hmm. like not really worth it to me anymore, but yeah, if I could, if I was no longer dairy intolerant and frozen yogurt was calorie free, I'd be eating it all day long. So I went for frozen yogurt yesterday, Marcy. Oh, my daughter yeah. came home from school and she's like, can we go and get me. a treat? And I'm like, what do you want? And she's like, I want frozen yogurt. There's not as many frozen yogurt stores around here anymore. I don't know if like they're becoming like out of style. Like it's not like they used to be everywhere. And now so many of them have closed. Mm-hmm. So we had, to, it wasn't a long drive, but we couldn't go just here in our own town. We had to drive and get one. Um, but yeah, I, and we brought the dog. So we walk outside. So I said to her, I said, I'm not really that hungry. I just want to taste. Can you get me a really tiny one? And so I told her what I wanted. I'm like, like really tiny. She came out and I was like, I don't know what your definition of tiny is, but like they're both of all, those are the same size and they're both big. She's like, well, I got the smallest cup. And I was like, it was massive. Yeah. And it w- was this one of the places where you can serve your own? Yes. It was called yeah. it's Kiwi yogurt and you can like do your own and get your own toppings. It yeah. was delicious, but it was, it was, it was a lot of froyo. Marcy, do you know, we don't call them sprinkles here. We call Jimmy's, them, are we they call Jimmy's? them Jimmy's. Yeah. Yeah. So funny because my ex-boyfriend, he was from New Hampshire and he called them Jimmy's. And this was an argument that we had all the time. It's like, <laughs> absolutely not. No, no way. I would love to hear from the listeners. Please message us. Sprinkles what do you call them? I'm very curious. <laughs> I grew up being caught with them called Jimmy's. And I think it's weird when people call them sprinkles. Well, <laughs> there's sprinkles in my book. <laughs> All right, Katie, what food would you have? Uh, what, if you could make it happen, no calorie food, what would it be? I'm, I, I've got a toss up and I'm trying to really just think about what it would be. And I think I'm going to go with like, Mm, okay. I'm going to go with chocolate chip cookies. They are the final mm. frontier for me. They are like the last food. I would say that I really have a hard time managing my emotions, managing my hunger, managing my impulses around. And it's a, it's a work in progress for me. Um, it's probably the only food left like that. So I'm going to have to go with chocolate chip cookies. Would you rather eat a chocolate chip cookie or the chocolate chip cookie dough? Mm. The cookie. Really? Oh, I'm yes. solidly a dough person. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am. And it's a, I would eat the like, dough any day over the cookie. What about a warm cookie? Because a warm cookie is it. not- Those the, are good. They're good. Because like the cookie a day later, I'm not into it. But that mm-hmm. first day, that fresh batch, like I for sure have had periods in my life where I've eaten a dozen in a day. No question. Yeah. They're delicious cookies. They really awesome. are. They are. I think sugar, sugar cookie dough is the best dough. Mm. Okay. And sugar cookie dough girl. Oh, I yeah. love sugar cookie dough. Uh, but like yeah. the actual cookie itself, I'm like, eh, I could take it or leave it. Hmm. Huh. Well, my food, I, it's weird that I'm having a torn moment. Cause usually I would just say cereal straight out. So cereal would be one, but the other one, my, my other favorite food is spaghetti and meatballs. And I think, wow, mm. how amazing would that be? If you could spaghetti and meatballs, no calories, that's a lot of calories. I love that stuff. So it's mm. kind of a toss up either cereal or spaghetti and meatballs. Mm-hmm. Those are my two. All right. Uh, next question. Let's see. Um, do I need to eat protein with every meal for fat loss? Katie, do you need to, do you need no. to eat protein with every meal for fat loss? No, no, you- no I know. I'm like rearranging. So no, you don't need to, but you don't need to do anything. And 
if fat loss is the goal, then the most important consideration is that you are in a calorie deficit. So calories are gonna be number one, but protein is a close second. And the reason for that, if we are trying to optimize fat loss and control hunger, energy, cravings, blood sugar, I think blood sugar is such an undervalued thing that people do not consider. Uh, and protein is going to help with all of that. So it's going to fill you up. It's going to keep you full. It's going to keep your blood sugar stable for hours. Mm -hmm. If you are also pairing it with, you know, vegetables, carbs, enough fat, mm -hmm. uh, so that you don't get those crashes where then you are hangry, so to speak. And you feel like you just have to get your hands on anything that you can. And typically when blood sugar crashes, then you are going to gravitate towards those more hyper palatable, sugary snacks to get your energy up. It's just kind of like a physiological thing. So yes, protein is very important to help you manage all of those things. And then also if you are in a fat loss phase, you want to make sure that you are retaining as much muscle mass as possible, you know, possibly building a little bit if you can, and you got to have your protein in order to do that. So is it necessary? No. Is it op optimal? Absolutely. What do you want to add to that, Katie? I agree with everything Marcy said, beautifully stated. I will add that I would encourage people to have one meal or item a day without protein, if that's something that's really enjoyable to them. And I'll elaborate on that. From the time that I began tracking macros, it was important to me to have chocolate in my day every day. And chocolate is carbs and fat. There's no protein in chocolate. It's negligible. It's nothing that's going to add up. So every day I would plan chocolate into my day, but I was, it was important to me to make sure that I was getting my protein in addition to that. So I didn't want to forego protein so I could have that, which is why I usually put it toward the end of the day, not to make it transactional, just to ensure that the most important macros were hit in terms of targeting my goals. If I didn't hit protein, I would still eat the chocolate because I would still be in a calorie deficit. So it worked. But if I were to say to myself, okay, I didn't hit my protein and I'm going to have a plate of egg whites instead of my chocolate and I'll still come in, the calories will still be similar. I'll still be under, but at least I will have hit my protein. That kind of decision would have made me hate the process. Mm. And you have to enjoy the process. You have to find ways to enjoy it. And so for me, having a meal, having a treat that was solely carbs and fat once a day, while in a calorie deficit, while hitting my protein, allowed me to enjoy the process. That's really smart. That's super smart. And I think for a snack, it can work. I will say as far as like a whole meal without protein in a fat loss phase, it's going to be tricky to hit your total target, right? For all the reasons Marcy said, it's important, especially that retaining your muscle. So if you're like, I'm going to have a whole meal regularly, if it's not like a special occasion, like I'm at a wedding or something, mm -hmm. trying to regularly have no protein meals is going to make it really tricky to hit your target. Um, the other thing I would add is a benefit that we don't often talk about, about actually eating enough protein when you're in a fat loss phase is if you're really good about making sure you hit your protein target, you're going to probably have an easier time of hitting your calorie target because you're not going to be eating as many hyper palatable foods, right? Because if you're getting that protein target, it's reducing the amount of carbs and fats you're having, which means you're not piling on those hyperpalatable foods, which means you're not going to overeat them as much. And so I really do see that trend with my clients who are very good about hitting their protein targets. Um, they're not overeating. So 
for all of those reasons, no, you don't have to get it at every meal, but there is why it's important. And I love Katie's like, let's have a snack without protein if that's important to us. Cause you can for sure work that into your day. All right, tip, this is from Rebecca. I haven't been saying who all these questions are from. This is from Rebecca 13. Tips to help ease the mental strain of cutting back on obsessive exercise. What do you ladies think? Mm. The mental strain of quitting, cutting back on obsessive exercise. Well, it is a trust process for sure. So it's one of those things. First, I would say cut back slowly. So don't go completely cold turkey because your brain is going to fight you every step of the way. So try to reduce it slowly over time. I mean, I was definitely a chronic exerciser, especially when it came to cardio, when I was in my, I would say most of my twenties, you know, starting actually starting when I was in uh, high school, I was doing cardio first thing in the morning before school and that carried on probably into my, yeah, late twenties, early thirties, where I had to start my day with, you know, at least 30, if not 45 minutes, um, because I was worried that if I didn't, I was not going to stay lean or I wasn't going to, you know, reach my fat loss goal, whatever it was. And all it did was one eat away the little muscle that I had. (laughs) And, uh, and also, um, you know, it just became this obsessive thing. So I, ended up working with a coach who got me out of that mentality. And I think if it was not for him and putting my trust and my faith in somebody else, it would have been very difficult for me to do that on my own. So I had to be led by someone who was more experienced than I was, and then allow the results to come so that I could finally say like, oh, okay, this works. So One thing I would say is look to, and I call these people expanders, someone who has what you want, who is doing what you want to do. So in this case, someone, maybe it's myself, Kim, Katie, who has struggled with chronic exercise has now gotten to a place where they have a better relationship with it. And you can see that that person was able to do it. If it's possible for them and they were still able to reach their goal, then it is possible for you too. That's kind of the mindset side of things. And then also start slow because yeah, you're going to feel very scared, fearful, overwhelmed. If you try to just cut it out completely, I'm dealing, not dealing, I'm working with a client right now who is going through the same thing. So she was the type who was doing hits cardio almost every day as a way to manage her emotions on top of strength training on top of, you know, moderate intensity cardio So we've slowly been pulling back and she's really finally after, you know, four or five months getting to the place where she said to me yesterday, and it was a huge win. I don't even miss it anymore. Like I don't think the thought of doing all that high intensity activity isn't even appealing. And I feel the same way. Like the thought of getting on the step mill for 45 minutes or doing hit, I'm just like, oh gosh, no, thanks. Not to say that some cardio is not beneficial. I think it is like for your overall health for your heart, like, yes, incorporate some of it, but, you know, doing it every single day is just not necessary. It's going to shoot your cortisol through the roof. Um, so yeah, not, not good long-term, but those would be my suggestions. Start slow, ease your way into it, and then see how much better you feel as a result. 
Great tips, Mars. Katie, anything you would like to add? Just one small thing. And I would say if you are having trouble putting something else in the space of what you were once doing, like let's say you went to Orange Theory seven days a week and you were having trouble dialing it back and you're not just able to fill that in with something else. Cause sometimes we're not right. Like maybe you get up at 6am for your orange theory class. And if you get up at 6am without that class, you really don't have something else to do. I would say still go through the motions. I was, so for me in, in my, in my experience, I, when I was cutting back on how much time I was spending in my gym, when I, instead of going six days a week and doing a workout, I would go six days a week and I would do my workout three days a week. And the other three days I would do some stretching or I would do some walking or I would do some breath work or I would do a meditation or I would do something that was not a workout, but it was still in that space. For me, it was just about being in that space. I really liked the energy of my gym, the vibe it gave me, it built me up. And it turned out that it was that that was the exercise. I'm using the word exercise in quotes here that I needed. It wasn't exact. It wasn't the volume and the, and the, and the clink of the barbells that was giving me life. It was the exercise of being in that space that was giving me life. So I just found something else good for me, not over the top to do for my body in that space. And that sort of segued into making it a habit of a different kind where I no longer, like you said, Marcy was dying to do the workout every time I went down there. I was like, huh, it's so fun to be here. What do I get to do today now that I'm here? Mm -hmm. That's great. That's great. The only thing I'll add is um, questioning whether what you're currently doing is getting you the results you want. Like out Mm -hmm. loud, ask yourself, are the results that I want happening with my current routine? And if you're over-exercising and you're there seven days a week and you're spread thin and you're not able to spend enough time with your family or whatever it is you want to do, is that the results you want? Is that the life you want? Um, And physically, are you actually getting the results you want? And likely the answer is no, because that's not the optimal way uh, to Mm -hmm. get great physical results. So questioning like, is what I'm doing even giving me the results I want. Mm -hmm. All right. We're going to go two more questions, ladies. If you could travel anywhere in the world, where would you go? Marcy, go first. Oh, I would go to Bali Mm. and I will make it there one day. You have to give me a stiff drink and a Xanax or something because I do not like long plane flights. Ah. That's really the, the one thing that it, not that I'm I mean, yes, I would say that I'm a little bit fearful of flying. So if I'm going, you know, cross country or whatever, like not a big deal, but there's something that just feels so like odd or foreign to me about an object that big that can stay suspended in the sky for that long. It just, that's one of the things I I just choose to try not to think about. I I choose. Yeah, no, I know. I know. But (laughs) so two years ago, I cannot believe it's been two years. I, I went to flew to London to visit Sarah, the former co-host of the podcast. And it was fine. I think it was a nine or 10 hour flight. I did well with it, but it took everything I had to not just like crawl out of my skin because I was so uncomfortable just sitting there. So to think about doubling the time by long one or maybe even more, it's a lot. So Mm -hmm. I would have to, yeah, just pay for like business class or first class so Mm -hmm. I can lie back and watch movies and be fed. But yeah, yeah. one of these days I will go these days, but I know it's on my list too. That's definitely wherever, wherever there's monkeys. I just want to have monkeys. monkeys. Is there a zoo near you, Marcy? What? No, like monkeys that are just, you know, like 
next to me and around. Oh my gosh, room. that's a legitimate nightmare for me. I used, to, <laughs> really? I used to have nightmares about that as a kid. I used to like, we had this little forest across the street and I just knew there were gorillas and monkeys in there that were going to eat me. So oh, like, I'm not seriously. talking gorillas. I'm talking no. like little monkeys. <laughs> I know. No, my friend went to Mexico with her children and they were little and they were on a boat ride. Was it Mexico? It was like Panama. And they were on this boat ride and a monkey came down out of the tree and bit her kid. They're it's like, they are mean. Jumped, They're aggressive. Jumped on the boat out of nowhere and bit him and they had to go to a hospital. Yeah. Oh my God. Isn't that yeah. crazy? Yeah. I don't want to go anywhere. There's monkeys. Are there monkeys in Bali? I think there are monkeys in Bali. Pretty sure. Yeah. Oh, maybe I don't want to go to Bali. Katie, what's your- Oh <laughs> man. Uh, I, I would just- want to go there. I am not a, tra- a good traveler. I'm an anxious traveler. I-, I really love my space at home, but I feel really at peace in the mountains. And I would love to get up to Banff in Canada. I think it's in Alberta. I say, I think nice. it is. It's in Alberta. It is. Yeah. <laughs> and that is one place I really want to go. My husband and I got our kids their passports this past year. So with borders starting to open again and people in Canada not hating Americans quite as much as they used to. <laughs> I'm hoping that we can make that happen, but that would be, that would be my realistic dream. Now is Banff where Lake Louise is? Yes. Yes. That's on yeah. my list. I, we actually might, I'm hoping knock on wood, we're going there next summer. That's one of my mm. dreams. I didn't okay, know it was my dream until a couple of years ago. <laughs> we're yeah. going to do a decades podcast from up. From in, the Fairmount on Lake Louise. Yeah. Yes. That's yes. Definitely that that is another mind. place that is on my bucket list. I oh, have so a pretty. client in Canada who lives very close to there. So she's like, you can come stay anytime. Mm. But yeah, since oh, it's wow. where we all three want to go, let's do it. Okay. Yeah. We should do that. Yeah. Okay, sure. Make that happen. Could you imagine? Um, my answer though, I, I want to go everywhere, guys. I love traveling so far. I've wanted to go everywhere you said, but my ultimate dream. And I will make this happen someday. I want to go to the town in Italy where my family is from. So my dad's family, um, the Chisulos, they're from a town called Savignana de Puglia, which I'm sure I'm totally um, ruining the name. And we have the address um, because we've just done research and we have the address of where my great, 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 I think one more great grandfather was born. Um, Mm -hmm. And so my dream is we go there I knock on this, the house is still there. I knock on the house and I meet these Italian relatives of mine that are still there in this town and they make me a big meal and we sit and eat together. That's my dream. (laughs) Fabulous. We'll see if it happens, but I'm definitely going to get there and go and find that street. And hopefully that house is still there and we'll see if there's still any Chisulos around. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. And I can have that calorie-free spaghetti and meatballs while I'm there. Um, right there you go in italy it really doesn't count it doesn't count it doesn't count at all. <laughs> all right last question now i lost it uh they were asking about our favorite nighttime shake where was that oh somebody wants to know what our favorite nighttime shake is do you ladies do a nighttime shake i do i love it, okay great let's hear it what's your favorite? I, I love a built out shake so i know that i feel like i've given some conflicting responses about shakes on this podcast if anyone's following me but when I say a shake, it really is not like something you put in a shaker bottle and down. It is like a bowl with a spoon and toppings. Mm. And so, I mean, it's basically, it's, it's an alternative to ice cream for me. And it is always with PE science. I find that that builds up the most because of the way Casey and blend. I, if I want it to get a little bit more high volume, I'll add a quarter teaspoon of xanthan gum. But if I'm having, you know, gut disruption or, Um, if I'm, uh, you know, if I had a big, a big ish dinner, um, I won't add that because that is going to just make it even higher volume. Um, but I usually get chocolate peanut butter cup, 
protein. I add, and then I just mix it with ice and water. That's all it is. And then my toppings are always PB2, some jet black cocoa from Hit Nutrition. I love that brand. And rice check cereal. Like that, it, it mm. comes in like, the whole thing's like 250 calories. It's, it's a way to get a little bit of protein at the end of the night for me. And I literally pull meat off my sandwich at lunchtime so I can have room for this at the end of the day. I like it that much. Oh, I want to try that. Okay. So there's no trick to making. It's literally just, I have that PE science. I used that nice coupon you gave me. Um, oh, fantastic. So, yeah. So that flavor. And so I mix that and water and ice. That's all it is. If you want it, kind of toppings on it. And you could use, you know, cashew milk, regular milk, um, almond milk. I mean, you could, it would probably, it might make it a little creamier. If you don't put the xanthan gum in, I would use a milk to blend it instead okay. of water. I don't, I don't have xanthan gum. Yeah. So, and I mean, it's, I use my Cuisinart food processor and get that ice to like that snowy consistency, then add the ingredients. But oh, if you, okay. that's what kind of gives it that more of like that fluffy volume. It, it kind of tastes more, gosh, more like ice. Oh, it almost, I don't know how to describe it other than it tastes too good to be true. And Marcy, you are the queen of um, texture on this. So I will let <laughs> you speak to like the details on it. But it is when you get that snowy consistency and the ice that leads to a different kind of ice creamy experience versus like just mixing something in a Vitamix, which is also still good, but that's much more like a shake and less like ice cream. Mm. And so you mm -hmm. need the food processor to get the snowy ice. For me, yeah. Some people, I don't know, Marcy, how do you do it? So I don't use a food processor. I use the Ninja and I found, I've had great success with that. So I keep mine very simple and I will use a frozen fruits and some sort of frozen vegetables. So frozen cauliflower rice, the other one I'm loving right now, which sounds very strange, but it's, you can't even taste it is frozen artichoke hearts. So, mm -hmm. and then, yeah, I know Kim, you would, I think I shared this one with you. I don't but, remember artichoke hearts. Yeah, I was doing frozen, frozen okra and hearts. people thought I was crazy, but I thought that was great. You can't taste mm -hmm. frozen okra. Mm -hmm. I really don't think you can taste the majority of the frozen vegetables. So mm -hmm. that is one way to do it. If you want a more nutrient dense smoothie that acts a little bit more like a meal rather than a late night snack, mm -hmm. so to speak. So yeah. the way I do it is a couple handfuls of ice and then the frozen berries, the frozen vegetable, the protein, and then I will cover it with water. I find water works better than a nut milk. It just, I don't know, something about the consistency. I prefer that I have my sea salt, my sweetener, but I would err on the side of less liquid and then add a little bit more if you need it. And the key is to blend it for way longer than oh, yeah. you think you need to. Like, oh, like I will, seven to 10 that, minutes, right? What? Yeah. A couple, oh yeah. Oh gosh, I would have ruined this. I would have been like 40 seconds and uh, <laughs> no. So I seven I to 10 minutes it. of blending. Oh, 10? I do between seven and 10. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. You, you like go totally... pop a load of laundry in. Do totally. And come back. I change yeah. into my PJs. I tell everyone to get out of my space. Don't have anyone talk to me. Like this <laughs> <Yeah>. is, <laughs> this is my time. Yeah. No, my, mine's probably four to five minutes, I would say. So, and everyone will say to me, oh, I tried it and it didn't work. And I say, you probably didn't blend it long enough. So, um, where was I going with that? Oh, I'll start it on low speed for a minute or two, and then I will increase the speed and finish it off that way. But those are, if I'm doing, yeah, a smoothie, that's more like a meal, but 
back in the day when I first started to get into this in years ago, I, and it was when I was working with that first online coach that I was speaking about earlier on the podcast, I, my last meal was peanut butter and protein powder. So I had this concoction where I would add to it one of those, um, like the Nutribullet, I think it is. So I would add a little bit of liquid casein protein when I could do dairy. Like you said, Katie, the casein really does make a difference. Mm -hmm. It's not going to give, or it's going to give a better texture than whey protein. And then I would add the protein or excuse me, the peanut butter or the almond butter and blend it that way. So it was almost like a really thick pudding. And then Mm -hmm. I would scoop that into a ball, a ball, a bowl and freeze it for a little while. So maybe put in the freezer for about an hour. So that was delicious. And then the other one that I used to love was vanilla protein with one of those jello pudding mixes. And my favorite one to do was the sugar-free pistachio. It is Mm -hmm. delicious. I have a hard time finding that flavor, but yeah, that's another good one too. I forgot about the pudding mix. I use Simply Delish chocolate mm. in mine as well. Sorry. Oh, no, I want to order those. In my shake. They're so good. Yes. And I love I the, that. Oh gosh. And the ingredients are nothing. I mean, so, it, and I would, and here's the thing. I don't have a problem with like jello sugar-free pudding per se, but if you're someone who does have a sensitive stomach or you, you, you know, you want something with fewer ingredients, the Simply Delish brand is outstanding. Yeah. So when I, when I had to go on that very strict diet to deal with my gut issues, my autoimmune disease, I cut out all, you know, the artificial sweeteners like sucralose and aspartame, things like that. And I also was not eating corn. So I know the jello has cornstarch in it, but Mm -hmm. I was checking out those simply delish ones the other day and I have not yet ordered them. I was like, Oh, can you have a pistachio flavor please? And they don't, Mm, but I'll tell them that (laughs) I'll let them know because I I, I do work with simply delish. I'll, I'll mention that. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, actually releasing okay. a recipe uh, this weekend from with their new with their lime flavored gel dessert. Ooh. I'm doing a key lime pie. So Kim, you now that you know how great key lime pie is, yes, I need to send that to you. <laughs> Delicious. Um, well, I'm just a little baby when it comes to making shakes. I remember I was not really a person who made shakes until I was sick and needed to try and get vegetables in. So that was like last mm-hmm. February. I started like experimenting with making shakes and made terrible shakes and terrible until I finally found one I liked. It's definitely a full meal. I eat it for breakfast or lunch. It's like 550 calories and it has, it's got like 50 grams of protein and a ton of vegetables in it. Like mm. I, and I really like it. Um, but it's definitely not like a nighttime snacky kind of thing. This is like, I will eat it and it keeps me full for hours. And sometimes I eat it in two sittings cause it's a lot. It makes a mm-hmm. whole blender full and I love it. And it's just banana, frozen berries, egg whites, Greek yogurt. What did I miss? Chia seeds, banana, ice, no ice, just water. Cause the frozen mm-hmm. berries are like, yeah, it's frozen. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I think it's delicious. I do it. And I have, it's on my, it's on my Instagram, on my reels, not my reels. Yeah. My reels. Um, and I just, it was just trial and error. I just kept trying. And I, I have made that. Oh, I spinach. If I didn't say spinach, there's a ton of spinach in it. And I have made that with the okra too. And that's good as well. That is such a great way. If you're someone who is having trouble getting vegetables into your diet to blending it with things like frozen fruit or a protein source that you really enjoy because you just Mm -hmm. don't taste it. Like you don't don't taste taste it at all and you still get the value. So there you have it. Well, ladies, we have yes. enough questions. We can do this again in a few weeks. We can do another question sure and could. answer episode and we'll uh, 
We'll hit the next one. Yeah, thanks to everyone who submitted questions. There are a bunch of good ones. We're not done. Yes, there's a lot of good ones. All right, ladies, we're going to hold it there for today. Thanks so much for being here, all of those of you who are listening. Uh, Katie, I wish you well this week, and I hope the skunk (laughs) goes away. And Kim, we wish you well on your trek to the Grand Canyon. I know. It's next Tuesday. I think we're recording on Monday. Oh, I thought you were leaving this week. No, no, I'm leaving Tuesday. Oh, I leave, okay. I leave okay. a week from, I've been talking about it a lot on my stories because I was getting together with the people to like finalize our plans because we had to like, you know, there's a lot of logistics to get from where I'm at to like get to somewhere to get the rental car to get to where we're spending the night and like it's a group of us. So yeah, mm-hmm. so I was talking about it the other day when we had our final planning meeting to kind of nail down all the details. And yeah, this week, my main goal is to just not injure myself in any yeah. way, shape or form. Keep that ankle safe. Yeah. I'm very careful. Like when a I walk, week. Like, a life yeah. deload week. Yes. Yeah, so that's what I'm doing. Like I'm still in the gym moving because I like it, but I'm keeping everything, you know, far from failure, um, not doing anything crazy. So yeah, I'm really excited, but we'll talk again one more time next week before I head out. Yeah. Right. That'd be a great recap. All right. Bye guys. Thanks everyone. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. If you liked this, if it was helpful for you, it would mean the world to us if you left a rating and review wherever you're listening. It really does help our work get in front of more people. Thanks so much for being here with you and we'll see you again next week.